Well, good morning. It is good to be here with you this morning as we celebrate the third Sunday of Advent. We've been talking about what this Advent season is all about, which is preparing ourselves, preparing our homes, our sanctuary, all of the spaces of our life for the coming of Christmas, the coming of the Christ child. And also not just the birth of this infant, but this king's return, the second coming of Christ. This whole season is about preparing, preparing our whole lives as individuals, as families, and as a community of faith. It is a powerful season, and one that is so easy to want to skip over. Our world wants to move right into Christmas starting in October. It used to be that Thanksgiving was like the, the demarcation zone. At that point, then you can start thinking about Christmas. But I see Christmas decorations beginning in October, before Halloween has even arrived. We want to jump to this celebration. We want to jump to the big event. That's the way we are. We're human. We don't want to prepare. We want to just enjoy we want to be in the middle of it, not on the fringes and getting ready. But that's what the church tells us to do, reminds us that we have some work to do, that we have to prepare ourselves. And so that's what we are doing for four weeks. We don't sing very many, if any, Christmas carols. We save those for Christmas. So I, I think about what all this means, and as we kind of move further into Advent and we get closer to Christmas, and, and I just, you know, I, I, I want to rejoice, and I want to, you know, I, I want to see the Christ child in the manger, and I want to I have sit around the Christmas tree and open presents and, 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 and have a Christmas dinner and Christmas desserts and, and just have Christmas. But before we do that, we got to take all that stuff out of the attic or in the closet. We've got to spread it all over the house. And Leanne has to go in and make sure everything is in its right place. And then when it's all in its right place, we've got to take all those boxes and take them back up into the attic. It's hard work preparing. And so we are preparing here in Advent, and, and now we just, you know, we just lit the candle of joy. And so we're reminding you that you know, there's hope, and there's love, and there's joy, and there's peace. All of these things are wrapped up in this season. And these are the things that we're looking forward to, and we would like to live just in the middle of those four things. Peace, love, joy, and peace, and hope, love. But we got all this work to do. And today, on the third Sunday of Advent, every year, what we talk about on the Sunday of Joy is John the Baptizer. And when we read about John the Baptist, I don't get that warm, fuzzy feeling. I don't feel a lot of joy when I read about John the Baptist, this prophet, who calls people, this gathered people, brood of vipers. Well, that's a fine how-do-you-do. 
Let's rejoice in being a brood of vipers. But John the Baptist is this incredibly important figure in the gospel. He is this a prophet in the long line of prophets from the ancient times. He is he has arrived on the scene. We first hear about John the Baptist in the Gospel of Luke when he is foretold, his birth is foretold to his parents, Zechariah and Elizabeth. And they, were, they didn't have children, and they were too old to have children. And then an angel tells them that you're going to give birth to a son. And if you remember the story, Zechariah is muted. And then John the Baptist in his mother's womb, Elizabeth, leaps for joy as young Mary with her child in her womb, who is Jesus, comes near. John the Baptist leaps for joy. We hear later in chapter 1 that John the Baptist is born, and when they write down the name of what he will be called, and Zechariah is given his voice back, and he begins to tell of this prophetic word of what John the Baptist called, what John, John's ministry is going to be. He will be a prophet. He will be the one who will make the way straight. He will prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. He will proclaim the good news, the gospel of repentance. And he will live the life of a prophet. He'll look like a prophet. He'll eat like a prophet. He'll live like a prophet. He'll speak like a prophet. And when you read the stories of the prophets in the Old Testament, these guys are pretty radical. They were out there. And they spoke boldly and strongly and loudly of what God wanted to say to God's people and to the entire world. And here is John the Baptist. In the year of about 29, we're told in the 15th year of the emperor Tiberius, that would, when he enters, he takes the emperor in year 14, so 15 years later, or in 29. We're also told that Pontius Pilate is the governor of Judea, and that there's um, Herod is also a governor, as well as his brother Philip, and also Lysanias and Abilene. And so we have all of these rulers that are listed, as well as these high priests of Annas and Caiaphas. They are also listed. In chapter 3 of the Gospel of Luke, no longer are we dealing with the, of the, the timeline of a, of a birth, pregnancy and birth. We're now dealing with a historical timeline. Luke is intentional about laying out these leaders, these rulers, these governors, and these high priests. Because in Luke's mind... What is happening now is not, no longer on a, on a household level. No longer is this just about Zechariah and Elizabeth or Mary and Joseph. This is now on a world stage. And no matter where you look, if you live in Judea or Galilee, wherever you look, wherever you go, you're going to see the Roman Empire in all of its glory and all of its power, which means it is dark. There is a shadow of death 
cast over all the empire if you are not a Roman citizen and probably not living in Italy. For the Jews, for all of those people who have been overrun, overtaken by the empire, life looked dark. Tiberius was not a kind man. He was not a benevolent dictator. He was ruthless. Herod was ruthless. Pontius Pilate was ruthless. Caiaphas, Annas were ruthless to protect their position, their status, their power as spokespeople for the Jewish people. There was nowhere that John the Baptist or anyone living around John the Baptist could look and not see Rome. Not see the empire. This is the context that John the Baptist enters his ministry. And he begins to say the good news. I invite us to hear exactly some of what John the Baptist said. We find in Luke chapter 3, verses 7 through 18, hear these words of John the Baptizer. John said to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits worthy of repentance. Do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And the crowds ask him, What then should we do? In reply, he said to them, Whoever has two coats must share with anyone who has none, and whoever has food must do likewise. Even tax collectors came to be baptized, and they asked him, Teacher, what should we do? He said to them, Collect no more than the amount prescribed for you. Soldiers also asked him, And we, what should we do? He said to them, Do not extort money from anyone by threats or false accusation, and be satisfied with your wages. As the people were filled with expectation, and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John whether he might be the Messiah, John answered all of them by saying, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his granary, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. So with many other exhortations, he proclaimed the good news to the people. And may God bless the reading of the gospel. Now, I, we, we live in Mobile and along the Gulf Coast. We're, we're used to hearing about storms, hurricanes. We're used to 
receiving those news reports and monitoring the trajectory and landfall of hurricanes. It's kind of what it means to live here, what it means to live along the Gulf Coast. And we have learned along the way what we need to do to protect homes and property and ourselves. We get boats out of the water, we move outdoor furniture, we move cars out of the way, we sandbag, we put plywood, plywood sheets up over windows and doorways. And if it looks bad enough, we get in our cars and we leave. Only to return to see what damage has been done. And we think about these storms when I think about these storms, I just, I am so thankful that we have government organizations like emergency management systems, news outlets, weather bureaus that can tell us a little bit about what's coming, what to expect, strength and path, how we might prepare for what's coming. Back in John the Baptizer's day, they didn't have such resources. And so when something was going to happen, good or bad, they would send out heralds and criers to proclaim the news. And we can look at John the Baptizer as one of these criers or these heralds that is proclaiming the news that something is coming that will change the way we live and the world in which we live. His message, his prophetic word, is that God is doing something marvelous, something so amazing and life-changing that it will shift the paradigms that we have come to expect. It will shift the way we live, the way we see when we look at each other, because God was coming to be with us. Emmanuel, God among us. And John knew that when the divine intersects with humanity, things have got to change. Humanity in the world has to be prepared. He knew that when heaven and earth collide, it can be quite messy. And he knew that things had to change or be destroyed. And he uses this language about the axe at the root of a tree, an unfruitful tree, and he uses the image of a farmer who throws out the waste of his harvest. And these things are thrown into the fire. Because for a farmer and for a forester, these trees and these, this waste is useless. If it's not bearing fruit, it serves no purpose. And so when heaven and earth meet, Earth judges itself by how we have received the prophetic word of God. How have we responded? 
if we hear John, if we listen to John and respond to John, then we are fruitful. And if we do not listen to John's word and we do not respond to John, we are not fruitful and we become waste. That's a hard word to hear in the middle of Advent, so close to Christmas. On a day of joy, we just lit the pink candle. But John the Baptist has this important word for us that we are to prepare. And for him, preparation means repentance. It means refocusing our direction and our look. What are we looking at? What is distracting us? There's all kinds of things in our lives and in the world that will distract us from focusing on God and God alone. All kinds of things. And we are all too eager, I am all too eager to be distracted. Have you ever seen the movie Up and the dog is in that movie and there's a scene where the dog just bolts off the scene, off the, out of the picture. And all you hear the dog say is squirrel and he's gone. We can all be like that. Distracted. Chasing one thing or another one person or another, one idea or another. But the season of Advent and the prophetic word of John the Baptist is about focusing on God and our reliance and dependence upon God, on God's grace, on God's love and forgiveness. To turn away from all the things that this world would have us do that would take us away from God. That's John's message in a nutshell. And why would we profess that on a day of joy might best be summed up is that we are gathered here in this time and in this place to hear the John the Baptist Proclaim the good news that God is doing something wonderful, life-changing, world-changing in our midst. And we're here to hear it. We're here to listen. We're here to respond. And for that, we can rejoice because we know and we have hope, and we have the promise that if, as we respond to the prophetic word of God, God is true, God is steadfast to receive us, to be with us, and to bring us as a faithful community together with him and together to be joyful, to be fulfilled, to be whole and peaceful, to share, to give to one another and to a broken world that is without.
That's John's message. The preparation is to turn our focus to God, to remember God, that we are utterly dependent upon God and God alone for life itself, for forgiveness and for love and for grace. Things allow us to have life together as a family, as neighbors, and as a church. That's, that's the message of John the Baptist. That's the message of joy. Because as we respond with repentance, with sharing, with giving, with offering ourselves sacrificially, we will find joy because Christ, Christ has promised it. And God will see to it. So throughout the rest of this Advent season and beyond, ask ourselves, what is distracting me from God? What is drawing my attention away from the one true God who gives me life, peace, and love? And turn away from all those things. And as we turn away from those things, let us turn to our neighbor and share what we have out of our abundance and out of our scarcity. In that way, we will find our minds and our hearts, our whole beings, repenting and turning towards God in a way that will draw us nearer to God and more joyfully together. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.